this past month on May 22nd, 2020, I was walking through a neighborhood that I've been walking a lot through. If you're familiar with Atlanta, and more particularly if you're familiar with the area of Old Fourth Ward, you'll know that um, there's a lot of historical stuff that's there. It is such a central place of the civil rights movement in the way that, you know, you can walk to the birth home of Martin Luther King Jr. You can literally stand on the same steps that he stood on in front of his door. And I went on that walk since, as I mentioned, it was May 22nd. Ahmaud Arbery was murdered on February 23rd, but all of that information didn't start to really unravel until a couple months after his death due to obviously the pandemic um, taking over the majority of our news. There wasn't really an opportunity for that story to be shared. And I don't say that as in, I actually believe it. Obviously it should have been shared, um, but it just didn't. So about maybe a few weeks had passed since that story had come out and honestly that's enough time for a lot of us to have our heavy hearts feel less heavy and as much as I hate to admit that and ashamed as I am to admit that uh, that moment had kind of passed for me in a lot of ways and not to say that it wasn't heavy in the moment but as with a lot of things a lot of thoughts or moments they just pass unfortunately and like I said pretty ashamed to say that out loud but as will be a running thread and theme hopefully in the days and weeks and months to come all of us can be a little bit more transparent with ourselves and hopefully with others so I was in that moment and um, there's a few places around there that I think are really important One of them is Freedom Park, and that's a beautiful, just lush, green pasture situation with paved sidewalks. There's trees, there's some art sculptures along the way, and there are also these plaques or kind of boards that have pictures from important or historical iconic parts of the civil rights movement and then some information below. And over the past few months, as I've been walking through there, I'll occasionally stop and read one here and there, but with all scenery that becomes commonplace in a lot of people's minds, it just happened to pass most of them most of the time without really thinking too much of them. Um, The other landmark that I want to point out is Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthplace is in a neighborhood that is really beautiful in the sense that it's kept as a quote-unquote historic park and so all of those homes are pretty much what they've looked like for a very long time and they're so interesting and beautiful in their own way and historical and amazing and there's obviously um, several monuments dedicated to Martin Luther King Jr. throughout and also in that same area, which I passed on my walk that day in May, 
um, is the Ebenezer Baptist Church. And that place is iconic and historical because Martin Luther King Jr.'s father, Martin Luther King Sr., was an assistant pastor there. And then they, the two of them co-pastored there until Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. So there are a lot of really important relics is that the right word in that area and when I was walking that day I did a super long walk and I pretty much touched on all of those things there's also a really great um to me and iconic art piece of Martin Luther King holding up his hand as is a very familiar image in his I have a dream speech I believe and it's made out of metal and it's just a simple cut out I'll have to take a picture of it next time for you guys um on Freedom Parkway um right before Boulevard and it's just so iconic and just so many pieces of Martin Luther King Jr. I feel like live in that one little area um and that day I was just walking through and I stopped at his house and obviously no one was out and about because one, we're obviously going through a pandemic. Two, it was a Friday and most people are just inside on a weekday mid-morning. And I stood in front of his house and I really wondered and kind of maybe even said it out loud. Like, are we, what are we doing? What, what are we supposed to do? How can we be doing more? And why aren't I thinking more about this? And it was kind of like when people go to church and just cry out to God in a way. And I'm not saying it's the same power or the effect, but that's really how I felt. Maybe that's how people feel when they go visit a loved one's grave and they just want to chat with them in kind of a strange way. I just wish I could have a chat in some way with a man that is so revered and has done so much and I always tell people when we think about I'm getting off track like Martin Luther King Jr. Day and that we celebrate in January around his birthday um I always ask and wonder why people don't honor that day more because Martin Luther King fought for equal rights for everyone And that means if you've ever been oppressed by anything, that man fought for you and he moved that needle for you. So that includes anybody that isn't a straight white man because those guys don't need any assistance. Um, I've just always really felt really strongly about that every year and... I just don't know why people don't revere him more if they're anything but a straight white man. You really need to give this guy credit. Anyways, so I just wondered kind of aloud, like, I'm not doing enough. I know that. And it's easy to forget about and it's easy to move on. And in and of that moment, I wasn't thinking about how much of a privilege it was that I didn't have to think about it, that I could go about my day and I could just enjoy my walk. And there was like a very mild heaviness that sat with me, but I didn't think too much of it. And like I mentioned, that was on May 22nd, um, three days later. 
George Floyd was murdered. And I really genuinely don't know how to explain how I felt. I, and honestly, it doesn't matter how I feel. I realize that. Um, I realize more than ever we need to talk to our black friends, uh, black coworkers, black community about how they feel. And we don't need to ask them. We just need to listen because I'm not going to say anything in this podcast that isn't already in an Instagram slide that you've seen. I'm not going to talk about how black people are tired because they are and we don't need to burden them anymore because we don't. I'm not going to talk about signing petitions or I'm not going to delve into protests. I'm not going to touch on any of those things that you've already seen, any actions that you've already been called to do. I just want to talk about my own experience, which is, <laughs> I get like not the point. We should be listening to other people's experiences, not mine. But I think it's important as an Asian American woman to really dive into and try to digest my own experiences to reflect on how I can be a better person. I think that's the only way that change is going to be made is if we dig deep and figure out the why. Something I realize that I really don't like is when people are talking about race and they lower their voice when they mention that race of that person. For example, I'll be talking about someone who's white and I'll say it in a low, hushed voice. I'll talk about someone who's black and say that in a low, hushed voice. I never understood that. If you're trying to tell a story, just freaking say the race of what you're talking about. Otherwise, maybe your story is questionable or you shouldn't be saying it. Um, that's something that really bothers me, but I'm sure I do it sometimes. And I don't really know why that I let that perpetually exist in my life, whether I'm saying it or hearing it. Just freaking say white, black, you know. We can do that. Like, those aren't dirty words. Um, let's just say it. Let's just start owning those words. And let's not, like, play that game where we use African American to try to be politically correct. Because it somehow, to me, backfires a little bit and leaves a weird taste. It's like... No, they're black. I'm not going to refer to some feel bad about referring to a white person as white and try to call them Caucasian. Like it's 2020. We can say these words and it is acceptable. If you are a black person listening to this and you don't want to be called black, you'd rather be called African American, call me out. But a lot of people that are black are not, I don't think necessarily African American. I Again, this is something I need to fact check. Um, just don't think everyone comes from the same place. Anyways, moving along. The other thing I really don't like is when people say, uh, I'm not racist, but in one form or fashion. I think people know not to say explicitly those words, but there are still racist words that follow and it's just 
not great. And that means for any race that you're talking about, it's just, it's like when people say no offense, but, and then something really freaking offensive comes out of their mouth. Like, okay, what was the point? I almost wish you would have just owned your offensiveness and said it. So I could have been like, you're a fucking asshole and we could all move on. Anyways, that drives me crazy. And my third point, because I don't think it's <laughs> really great to point fingers all the time. And part of it is pointing at me for not calling people out or, you know, being like, hey, let's talk about that. Not necessarily being aggressive or mad about it. I think creating productive conversation about those points is essential because I do feel like some people do say those things and they their intention is not poor and their heart is in the right place and they are not racist. They're just not fully aware of how to be anti-racist and to be cohesive and clear and we're all humans we're all going to make mistakes but we just need to own up to them and fix them anyways where was I something I realized that Asian Americans especially think about in some of my conversations I've had is the idea that we need to make up quote-unquote make up for either our parents, literally, or parents, figuratively, um, for their failures. I think about this, when I think about how my dad, for probably the first 20 years of my life, did not understand what tipping was. Like, when you go to restaurants, he, like, didn't understand that concept. And he would leave, like, pathetic, less than 10% tips, just because he didn't understand the concept. And he couldn't wrap his mind around that because that is not a prevalent, you know, cultural norm in a lot of Asian countries. Honestly, a lot of European countries don't do that. So it just wasn't a norm that he was used to. And I really had to engrave that in his mind. But all this to say, I felt so much that I had to make up for that. So when I was old enough to have like my own money or, you know, <laughs> go to restaurants and actually consider wages of people that work at restaurants. For the longest time, I didn't know that servers made less than a minimum wage and survived off of tips. I didn't know that when I was like a kid. Okay. Really didn't get that until late teens, early twenties. And so when I got to that stage, I felt the need to over tip like 20% minimum because for some way in some weird way I felt like I was quote unquote making up for my dad's failure to tip or I wanted to prove myself that you know when that server looked at the tip I almost wanted to be there when I looked at it out of pride obviously clearly my ego tends to get the best of me I wanted them to see that tip and I wanted them to match it with my face and name and see that I was an Asian that knew how to tip so they wouldn't continue that stereotype in their head of Asians being cheap or bad tippers. I felt this weird burden that I was going to be the Asian savior essentially and you know make up for all of these lost tips. Clearly not possible and while it's important to tip well the reasoning behind it shouldn't be that we're making up in some way because at the end of the day, with anything regarding justice in this day and age, there's nothing really to make up for. We just have to try harder and do better. And that's something that I'm struggling with is the word justice. Because no amount of quote-unquote justice is going to bring back these black lives that were taken away. 
no amount. And obviously the movement is to move forward. I mean, not move forward from, you know, mourning obviously these tragic losses, but to be able to create a path where this stuff doesn't happen again. But I think the number one thing I keep thinking about is there's no justice in this. There's no justice. And if we fight every day for the rest of our lives, will we ever see the day of justice? (coughs) I saw this meme of two, um, this older couple, I think, and something like we're 70 years old and we're still doing this shit like they were protesters. And it was funny, but in the saddest way because I mean we built this country on 400 years of slavery oppression racism the list goes on and on and on and it's been a freaking long time and if it's been that long the realist slash pessimist part of me wonders when real change will happen and it also makes me think about the civil rights movement that was not that long ago when I walked through that neighborhood I was like this stuff is old but it's not ancient so it's still recent it's like that just happened like 60-ish years ago a little over yeah so and in some ways it's like that's a long time ago but that's also a short time I don't know the whole thing is just like the timeline is so jacked up and it's like then it continuously brings me back to there should have never been a timeline. There should never be a timeline to when people were considered a little bit more equal because there wasn't segregation anymore. There wasn't physical segregation, you know. It's, it blows my mind. It just blows my mind every day. Anyways, so we just need to do better for the sake of doing better and not to cover up our parents or figurative parents racism because I do feel like there is a prevalent thread of racism against black people in the Asian community I'm just gonna say it because y'all know it and to think that any of us have could ever have been like I never had a racist thought in my mind is complete bullshit and in so many ways we can blame the systemic racism, obviously, we can blame our parents, we can blame our upbringing, we can blame our neighborhoods, our schools, whatever, there's so much there to it. But we have to look inside of ourselves and be like, shit, this is some real bullshit that I've thought of. And I'm really ashamed of and I'm not going to let happen again, because I'm going to take forward action. And I don't know, there's just a lot that we need to confront with ourselves. There's a lot that I need to confront with my friends. And it's not pretty. Um, we need to we need we do need to find a way that we talk about these things openly, and have conversations because I really do believe that conversations and continuing the conversation is the only way for me to envision real change individually. And so much of this, I feel super helpless. And so much of this, I feel just angry, upset, torn, and burnt out. And I realize. I need to get over those things because black people have been feeling that on an actual real level, unlike my baby soft self has been feeling. Um, And so I just, we all need to have the conversation. We all need to talk about it. We all need to really figure out like what we're doing because we don't know what we're doing. We need to stop acting like everything's okay.
Um, okay, well, thanks for listening. I don't know how this podcast is really going to go moving forward, but um, it'll just be me chit-chatting. All right, thanks, you guys. Have a great week, and let me know if you have any thoughts.